please hit one of those two buttons. Red if you're on YouTube, purple if you're on, on Twitch. One thing I want to talk about real quick is we are also on all the audio platforms as well. You should see it in this graphic here. Literally, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio. If you guys listen to podcasts on a platform and you notice we're not on that platform, hit me up on social media, email me, whatever. It, it, make a comment on the YouTube. Let us know because I want to I wanna make sure that we can have the podcast on the audio side wherever you guys listen. I also have some announcements to make. I'm super excited about this. Um, last couple months, I've been super hard at work uh, trying to get this album done for you guys. And uh, the people who are going to get first access to this, I put the link right here. That's going to be the people in the Patreon. So make sure you guys are aware of that. Go to patreon.com slash Jared Singer Live. You get first access to everything as we start doing some cooler and cooler shit this summer. As well as bonus content, discounts on merch and stuff like that as we start to roll all that kind of stuff out. So make sure you go there. That's where the biggest supporters, if you've already subscribed, if you've already done that and you want to step it up a notch, you can join for as low as three bucks a month. It's not a lot of money, especially with inflation going up. I didn't raise my prices. Still three bucks a month. And there's a couple other tiers in there too if you really want to go crazy. All right, we got some ad reads we got to make. Let's get this done. This episode of the podcast and every podcast, every podcast we do here is sponsored by Tone Vault Audio and Media. Tone Vault Audio and Media was formed as a recording studio business by musicians in active gigging bands. Doing work over the years in multiple facilities as well as in a mobile fashion, simultaneously while playing in live gigging bands, the Tone Vault staff has developed the experience to know why quality, performance, and longevity of cables is important as well as the demands needed for a great go-to top-of-the-line product for all your professional project needs as well as live music application. We tried all kinds of cables, and of course we have our favorites. They, however, tend to have a price point that's not so favorable. So we decided to craft our own and make it a little bit more wallet-friendly without sacrificing quality. We use these cables ourselves for our studio and music projects, and that includes me. My entire drum set is wired up with these, and we're currently in the process of re rewiring the entire podcast studio. They offer a lifetime warranty with a 30-day, zero-risk, money-back guarantee. If you don't like them within that first month, just return them. After that 30 days, it's a lifetime warranty, just like any of the other big names. 24-karat gold contacts, 99% uh, oxygen-free, you know the deal. They're absolutely phenomenal. Extravaganza listeners can also use the code 15SINGER, that's 15SINGER, for an extra 15% off any purchase. So go to www.tone-vault.com slash JSE and join the Tone Vault family today. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Marco V Cigars, the official cigar of the Jared Singer extravaganza. In 1909, an Italian immigrant named Victor Vito landed on American soil. Despite only having pennies to his name, Victor smoked a cigar to honor his pursuit of opportunity and success. Starting with that first cigar, tradition was born. In the Vito family, cigars came to represent pride and accomplishments and optimism for the future, and they still do. More than a century later, Victor Vito's great-grandson, Marco, honors his heritage with Marco V Cigars. Marco and his team's commitment to quality, flavor, and construction have established the company as a premier boutique cigar brand. Every step in the Marco V cigar making process is shaped by a drive for perfection. Farmers in the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua tend to their crops by hand, and the planting, harvesting, and curing are carefully guided by Marco V's tobacco experts. Dedicated research and testing have resulted in a leaf that cures with a rich, complex flavor. Each blend is aged for years to enhance the tobacco's deep natural sweetness, and every bale is inspected six times before the cigars are rolled by hand, never put through a machine.
Quality still comes from the hands of the artisans. After a final inspection, the cigars are packed and shipped around the world. Overseeing the entire supply chain guarantees that every Marco V cigar yields the perfect celebratory smoke. Victor Vito's 1909 cigar represented pride in himself and his achievements. More than a century later, Marco V honors Victor's legacy with the highest quality cigars on the market. Create your own tradition, salute your achievements and your successes with Marco V cigars. Exclusive for Jared Singer Travaganza listeners, just for you guys, same deal, baby. Go to MarcoVCigars.com and use checkout code EXTRAVAGANZA15 to get an extra 15% off of your order. You can order my personal favorite, which is their Palladium, or you can order what I'm smoking on right now, which is their Maduro House Blend. Extremely affordable to begin with, and y'all get another 15% off this motherfucker. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Bud Ingram Lyle Photography. Bud is a photographer specializing in working with bands, both on stage and off stage. His goal is to catch those special images that reflect the dynamic nature of live music, catching badassery since 1886. He also does portrait work of all kinds, photographing solo models or groups in a studio or on location. And yes, you can afford him. Okay, does all of my work. Extremely great guy, very easy to work with, extremely professional. Go to www.bilphoto.com now and book your photo shoot today. Book's out about 60 to 90 days, so whenever you're listening to this, just make sure that you understand you can't book him for this weekend's gig, you guys. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Shooter Lube. Yeah, baby, we're back. Shooter Lube's back, baby. Two-stage cleaning system, military-grade cleaning solvent. The new technology has you cleaning your gun better than ever. Our solvent is designed to penetrate deep into the metal, cleaning carbon buildup in less time than other leading solvents. The extreme weapons oil, that's the second stage. Standard gun lubricants and CLPs are outdated and a thing of the past, you guys. With the new cutting-edge technology, we're creating a new level of protection and lubricant. Unlike other gun oils that just sit there on the surface, extreme weapons oil penetrates deep into the pores of the metal. It forms a bond on and in the metal that does not wipe off, wear off, melt, or evaporate with heavy use. There's free shipping on orders over $50 within the United States, and there's a 100% money-back guarantee on all items. So join the revolution by going to www.shooterlube.com and use promo code SINGER to save 15% at checkout today. There we go. Are we in? Something oh, goes is. wrong every single time. There we go. Something good, goes wrong every single time. Now we'll move this over here. It's a good title for a stand-up record. <laughs> the extravaganza. I tell you, something something goes wrong every single time. <laughs> Something's wrong every single time. It's like you know, some some dudes get her done. Yeah, and no. then and then I looked at her and said, and the crowd yells back, "Something goes wrong every single <laughs> time." So no respect. It, it's a little lengthy, but we can, you know, <laughs> we can fucking make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that. You had one job. You had one job. Yeah, one job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've noticed that there's now that you've uh, I've sort of um, been around it for a while. I'm noticing more and more 
the comedians that have those punchlines or like those sort of like not punchlines but those like um slug lines that people latch on to you know mark norman has i'm a creep i'm a creep and you're like <laughs> oh fucking yeah, yeah you're right you, you are a creep you fucking weirdo <laughs> Totally Mark right. Norman. Ah, so funny. I think he's one of the best. Yeah. Rudy, I appreciate you being here, my guy. Hey, thank you, you man. You look amazing. It's a great fucking setup. I like this. It's it very... is adorable, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Carved into the, into the pit of despair that is North Minneapolis. Yeah. This lovely setup here. I appreciate the kind words. I, I really, my big goal was to just like have something that was comfortable to be in, you know? Yeah. Because I've seen sets that are, they look great, but they're not it's not a comfortable space to be in. Yeah. And that was the whole point to this was like, let's create a vibe where guys can come down. And sometimes we get drunk and we'll podcast for four, five, six hours. Yeah. But I also wanted it to be mildly professional. So if somebody does have to buzz in, do something real quick for an hour and a half, which is a quick podcast yeah, and get the hell out of here. It still looks good. It still seems like it was worth it and whatever. But at the end of the day, the real motivation was comfort. Like, <laughs> So if you guys are comfortable, then I achieve my goal, and we're just lucky it looks good on camera. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> it's, it's very unassuming because when you walk past the uh, giant wall of cat of nine tails and red rubber balls, and you walk into this area, <laughs> you're like, "Wow, I didn't realize that that was going to be back there." But it looks it looks fantastic. I'm At least fan. you didn't bring up the sex swing. No, no. Well, do you have one? Because I didn't see one back there, unless maybe it's in the shop. Okay, so. Jokes aside, okay. right, not, maybe not jokes aside, maybe uh -huh. it's more jokes coming up. Sure. Right behind me in the old podcast studio, which you can't really see now. I got my drum set oh. over there and we, we jam and shit over there. Yeah, but yeah. right over here, right behind me in this corner, there's a, a very aggressive industrial sized something anchored to hang something very heavy from the dildo <laughs> oh, oh no it's like a big hook but the sex swing it's definitely not for a punching bag it wow, is overkill for a punching oh, bag wow, wow. it has to be a sex dungeon okay. at one point in time down here plus this room was built which is like half of the basement they built a room into and like there is so much weird shit when we bought this house. I'm telling you, this was a sex dungeon. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, if these walls could talk, they'd be like, holy shit, put that away. <laughs> God damn, Bill. Fuck. Uh, We've told you before. No butt stuff. Ick, gross. For people that don't know, though, uh, just quickly explain to people who you are, what you do. I got a ton of questions for you, so we're going to have plenty to talk about, but oh. give people the rundown real quick. Uh, your well, your, your well, two-minute history. Sure. Well, I'll do the broad strokes. Uh, was a radio guy for years, then uh, decided to get out, and now I'm a stand-up. That's the broad strokes. That is the broad strokes, yeah. isn't it? Holy but, shit. Uh, but there's also... You know, uh, I do a ton of production work for the Adam Carolla show. Um, I worked with uh, Dana Carvey recently on a bunch of stuff. Uh, I also edit the Megan Trainer podcast. You know, all about that bass, about that bass, no treble, all about that bass. Dude, she's actually really good. I I love her. I think she's hilarious. She actually bought me for Christmas this past year she, as my bonus. She bought me a set of custom Vans. Wow, like. Like, I could go online and make my own fucking shoes. Do you know what kind of power one has to create? Dude, no, th no, no man should be given that amount of power. <laughs> it is so overwhelming. I stared at that computer for hours. I bet I had 37 different shoes that I was ready to hit buy on. And then at the last second, ditched out because I'm like, if, what if you make the wrong decision? What if you make the wrong choice? Three months it took me to fucking pull the no trigger shit. on it. Because... She bought it for me, I think it was whatever it was, um, like December 15th, right? Sure. And I can't remember the date off the top of my head, but 
it was like a uh, gift card that expired in three months. And the last day that I was able to uh, actually order these shoes is the day that Louis Anderson passed away. No. So I was like, oh, that's what I need to do. I, I always hate when people are like, it was a, it's like a fucking, the guy died. It's like, why, what does this have to do with you? But I did go online and uh, on one shoe, I, in the back of the shoes, I have Louis on my left foot and I have Anderson on my right. That's cool. And I wear them pretty much to every single stand-up gig I do. That's pretty fucking yeah. cool. So I was such a big fan. I've loved that guy for so long. And uh, Louis Anderson does this. He's a part of a film fest in town called Z Fest. And mm. it's like short films and stuff and documentaries and whatnot. Uh, but he was always a part of it. And every year he would screen all the films and then he would, um, he would do uh, what is called Louis' favorite. And would always pick one film. And no, like it wasn't like a, uh, you couldn't you know, apply for it or anything. He would just watch it and then pick it. And then the last year that he did it, right before he passed, uh, my film, Raising a Daughter, won Louis Anderson's uh, favorite award That's from Z Fest. And just before that had happened, like, I don't know, maybe about four months before that happened, I had been contemplating if I should quit radio. I was like, right. I, I just feel like I just feel like I've just walked this path too much. I think I'm done. I don't need to do this anymore. It's just time to go. And I was at home and I'm listening to Louie on this podcast. This guy, he was on like some leadership podcast. And he was talking about how his family when he was young, his family, especially his dad, was giving him shit saying when are you going to go out and get a job? You got, you got to find something that you can support yourself with. And Louis' answer to them was, I can either work for eight hours a day and be miserable, or I can work 20 hours a day for my freedom. And I'm like, fuck, like that hit so hard. So I was like, it was those words that made me go into work the next day and put in my notice. And then the fact that I won that award four months later, and then three weeks after I won it, Louis passed away. Wow. I was like, wow, man, like that's such a, so I owe like this last year has probably been the best year of my life. And I owe so much to a man that I never even met. That's insane. Yeah. He says, Oh, I, I go back and I watch all those, especially like him at the Guthrie and shit. Like it was almost like throwaway lines and people just fucking died from that stuff. It was so good. Crush a room. And he's just like talking about like, you ever go over to the cooler? And you're like, I do go to the cooler. It's fuck, I do. This is the dumbest shit. Still I somehow know. makes it funny. And just him just sitting on a chair, just fucking talking. Like, ah, it's uh, it's angering sometimes to go up on stage yeah. and to not have that. Yeah. But uh, I love that guy. Yeah. When you get to that level, because the other greats also talk about him that way. Yeah. And, and it's like when you get to that level, it's truly, truly the epitome of what I call a professional, which is you make something look so easy. Anybody thinks they can do it. And it's it's the, why I'm saying it this way is it's the epitome of what you just said, like throwaway lines that most other comedians wouldn't even get acknowledgement for. And he can get a room full of people dying over it. That's where it's like he can make it look so easy. Even other professional comedians are like, well, I can do that. It's like, yeah, you can because you're a professional and yeah. you, you do that for other people as well. But man, you see that with musicians all the time. And I was a victim of this when I was younger too. tell me if you do this as a comedian where when you were younger inexperienced or naive, you're like, oh, he's not that good. Maybe even a little bit of hater attitude, a little bit of hater aid you're drinking, you know. Oh, fuck that guy. He's not that good. I'm better than him. And it's years and years later, you're like, oh, 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 I see what was going on. He, he was literally like restraining himself so he didn't fucking embarrass everybody because he was that good. Yeah. That yeah. kind of shit. No, I, uh, I recently brought this up 
uh, with another comedian that when I was started getting into this when I was 27, I was like just so angsty, you know. And now I'm 42, and I see people get on shows or they get on tours or they get a credit or whatever, and I'm like, good for you, yeah, good for you, bud. You know, does it sting sometimes when somebody's 23 and they've only been on stage like? 13 times and they get up and they level a room and you're like, what the fuck, dude? Where'd, where'd that come from? Does it anger you? A little bit. Yeah, of course, because that's the, that's the human side of us. But at 42, I'm able to look at that person and go, good for you, my friend. Good for you. I also have realized that it is my, my job and people that are of my age that are still doing this as a profession, because I've said many times, I might not be the most talented, but I will just outlast everybody. Sure. My time is coming years from now, and it's a long game, and I totally understand that. Uh, but it's our job to also, you know, look at people and encourage them. There's a there's a girl in town, and it feels weird because I'm 42, she's 23. She did, and she's only done stand up like three times, and I saw her get up the second time she did stand up, and the second I laid eyes on her, I'm like, that girl's fucking talented. She's better than almost everybody else in this room has been doing it for years. That girl is talented. Was it clunky? Absolutely. Did she not move the fucking mic stand and it drives me nuts when comics don't move the mic? Yes, she did. So when she walked by me at the end of the night, I pulled her aside and went, you're fucking funny. Trust me. If you do this five nights a week for a year, you will be fucking amazing. Beyond anything you could ever think of, you will be so goddamn good. And in the last two months, I've seen her out one time. So I hit her up again and I was like, where the fuck have you been? What is up? And she's like, well, I've just been kind of busy. I've been writing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. Stop writing. Come to fucking get up on stage. Do the same shit you did when I saw you two months ago. It angers me that there's somebody out there with that amount of talent who's just letting it piss away. Who's going to get to that age of 37, 38 and go, fuck, I wish I would have spent more time, you know, doing this thing that I could have been really good at instead of just wanting to go hang out at the club on a Friday night. Like, ah, it, it angers me when I see that. Yeah. And it's really interesting with specifically that craft too. And this is obviously still true in music and in other stuff as well. But I hear this more in comedy than anything else, which is like, if you really want to like actually have a shot at making it, you literally have to go up every night. Like you have to go up every single night. And in this town, I think that's hard. It is. Yeah. We, we do have a lot of comedy clubs. We do have somewhere you could go up and do comedy every single night of the week, but they're spread out. They're hard to get into. Like it's very, uh, I mean, everything's relationship oriented, but I think that is to another level. Like you got to really know every single person who's booking. So that means you got to go to these open mics for weeks or months before you can actually build a relationship with these people, which means you're not going up every night in the meantime. It's just not possible. You can do Monday night at fucking club underground. You can do Thursday night at what is it? Sisyphus. I think it is Sisyphus. Sisyphus. Is that Mm -hmm. how you pronounce it? (laughs) That's like goofiest brewery name of all time. (laughs) 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 I don't know who came up with the branding for that one, but they do not care about it being memorable or easy to spell or easy to pronounce. Like all of the marketing school fucking lessons, they were like, fuck all that shit. (laughs) That that classic thing where it's like, take everything you learned and now throw it out the window. Like That's what that guy subscribes to. It's like pushing a boulder up a hill, you know? (laughs) That's all it is. (laughs) They actually have a really classy room over there, too. They do. It's almost unfair how good that room is. It's almost unfair. It's you, gorgeous. Oh, you will see people who've never done stand-up get up and kill. And yep. you're like, God damn it. All right. 
And it also sucks for people that are seasoned because we go up and try, try, you know, new material and it does well. And then you bring it to another room and you're like, oh, what the fuck? Right. Why did this bomb? Like, it was so good a week ago. And then you realize because the room is just, it's just because that room is just like an aura to it. You walk in and just, it feels like you want to laugh while you're there. It doesn't hurt that there's stellar beers 15 feet away from where you're laughing, you know? Yeah, it's weird. You're right, though. There is something to that room and it feels to me like people go there looking to laugh at new comedy where... I mean, obviously, that sounds like a great thing, but I think you're kind of right. Like, they're more willing to laugh. And so when you go somewhere else that maybe has a little bit more, you need to make me laugh. If you're, especially if you're like only doing that room, yeah. you could you could become a soft comic is what I would call it. Like, oh, you're soft because you're not, you haven't been battle hardened, you know? I use a lot of like music analogies <laughs> for that shit, but like, that's what we say about being being long enough on the road. You become battle hardened or road hardened, and there's just a different grit about you because you figured out how to play a concert in front of no people or 1,500 people any night of the week, whether they want to see you or not. Because yeah. it's not always about playing a full room. Like a lot of people think that, right? It's this simple. Just get me in front of people. It's actually sometimes, for me as a musician, it's almost more devastating when you play in front of 1,500 people and every time you get done with a song, it's crickets. Mm. They are less than interested in you. They can't wait till you're done so they can see the person or act they came to see. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I got, I, comedy's got to be the same way. I ate shit so hard at <laughs> City Winery in New York City opening for Jesse Mae Peluso and Carly Aquilino. They have a following. It is 23-year-old girls. What the fuck does a 23-year-old girl want to listen to a 42-year-old guy talk about his kid? <laughs> At some point, I was like, I talked about like, I said, uh, how many parents we got here? Crickets. And some girl yelled out, we're all 22. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> Here's the thing. In fuck. our generation, you'd all have two kids yeah, by now. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Your generation. kids would be having kids by now, you fucking <laughs> in my, piece of shit. In my shit, day, you'd all be fucking pregnant. Yeah. No shit. Be carrying fucking babies and beans. Shut the fuck up. Isn't that super yeah. weird, though? Literally. Because we're kind of the same age. I mean, you would have basically been a senior when I was a freshman. There, yeah. There's yeah. four or five years uh, separation between us. So I say we're in the same generation. Yeah. Because literally, we would have been in the same high school. You know, you'd have been on the fucking varsity team. I'd have been on the JV team, that kind of thing, right? Sure. Listening to the same music in the same summers. Yeah. Watching the same movies, trying to probably bang the same girls. <laughs> you yeah. know, like that's yeah. what it means to me to be in the same generation. You're about seven inches taller, but even though four years younger, you definitely would have got him before I did. <laughs> I don't know. I was fucking wicked skinny, man. Scarily skinny. Girls didn't want to date me because their butt was bigger than mine. They didn't like that. They didn't like the fact that I was skinnier than them. They don't like it when you can fit into all their clothes and oh. sometimes look better in them than they do. Oh, oh man. Dude. I, I yes. can't even tell you. The fucking, the plight of like short dudes and skinny dudes, like the only person who knows what it's like to be a short dude is a tall woman. Sure. Like, because I feel like we are still the only two like groups of people that can be openly mocked. Regardless of... I think you're right. Yeah. Especially short dudes. Oh, short dudes, you can fucking rail on those guys all... I've said a million times, man, it is all the discrimination, none of the parades. <laughs> short, a short pride parade. Yeah, none of it. <laughs> like, listen, I, t I am... Listen, I have, I have a, a brother who's gay, I have a sister who's black, I'm, a, I'm an ally. 
But ain't sure. nobody fucking going to march on the Capitol for short dudes, okay? So when you motherfuckers are like, hey, how come you're not coming to like down to the fucking Capitol for women's rights? I'm like, because it's Saturday and I got shit to do. I'm down with the cause, not with the time, okay? So fucking right. make, it, make it fit my schedule and I'm there. None of you motherfuckers are coming to sh- you know, hoist the fucking oh flag God, for the short so guy. Funny. Bring out your step stools, everybody. Ain't nobody doing that shit. Fuck off. I hate that, man. It drives me nuts. It, it, but the only other person who knows it and I had this happen to me. There was a woman who uh, empathized with me. I was at Target. This is, I don't know, four years ago. And I was uh, I was going to get a, like a pack of, of paper towels. Way the fuck up on a shelf. And I'm having to do that move that you see children do, where they put their bottom foot, or they put their foot on the bottom <laughs> rung of the shelf, and they're trying to like yeah. hoist themselves up, and it's going nowhere. And at some point... No shit. At some point, as I'm like trying to like reach over, I see this hand come past my face and it grabs the paper towels and brings it down and I shimmy down the fucking uh, shelving and I look. And it was a woman who played for the Minnesota Lynx. No shit. She had on the whole, like, the, the track suit and everything. And she was laughing. And she was like, I, I see you could use a little help. And I was like, oh, my God. Thank you. It's very emasculating. Thank <laughs> I was you so just much. going to say yeah. so emasculating. And I, and I looked her up. And she she played for the Lynx. She wasn't a starter. I can't remember her name. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, but I, from that moment on, I was like, that woman saw me and went, I know what it's like. Because she was probably teased a lot as an adolescent being that tall around a bunch of uh, people who didn't know how to like handle themselves so they made fun of her where just like to this day you can still sort of mock tall women and it's okay as much as it is short guys everything else in between skinny guys too yeah, skinny skinny guys, you can, can make fun of skinny guys yeah, a lot because yeah. like I've been told a lot I'm too small I'm too skinny sure like that's a regular thing but it, it, never can you call a woman or even most men you can't go he's too fat that's that's fat shaming right Damn. that's no longer cool and it's interesting because I mean I guess I was a little insecure about being skinny but it is what it is you kind of just roll with the punches I feel like that's kind of part about being a part of being a man but the short thing is a serious deal like I even just heard Joe Rogan talk about uh, on a, a fucking the the Andrew Schultz podcast. I forget what it's called, flagrant or flagrant. Yeah, two flagrant or whatever two. The fuck. Yeah, I think it's just called flagrant now. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I yeah. Because they like redesigned their set, and I think it's just called flagrant mm. now. But regardless, we'll call it flagrant two for the time being. Um, Joe Rogan was saying something like, "Oh yeah, I'd fucking make fun of me," and they're like, "Really? What?" I mean, he's like, "I fucking know about all kinds of shit, you know, fucking you know, insecurities for being short and blah 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 blah." Which it was like. It was like a light bulb moment went off for me. I don't know if it was one of Joe Rogan's buddies who was pranking him or a disgruntled fan or somebody who tried to get on the podcast and Joe rejected or whatever, right? Did did you see the thing where somebody spent money on skywriting and it just says <laughs> somebody hired a skywriter to go up into the air over LA and it just said Joe Rogan is literally five foot three. Ah, that's hilarious. <laughs> He's five seven. Uh-huh. So just think about the psychology of that to shave off another four another inches. Another four inches is just yeah, yeah, gonna yeah. fuck with Oh yeah, worse. absolutely, man. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Because I first of all did not realize he was that short to begin with. I never would have guessed he was five seven. Yeah. I actually would have guessed he was literally my height like sure. about six feet tall yeah um 
And then even if he was 5'7", it's one of those things where unless you're short, it's just so easy to forget about. You never think about, yeah, guys have insecurities about being short. Absolutely. Just like I do about being skinny. Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. one of those things. And so somebody somebody paid money to take that shot at Joe Rogan. That's so and they funny. shaved off an extra four inches just to fuck with Dude, him. That's so I think funny. that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And I'm like, who is that? Is that a buddy? Or is that a disgruntled fan? Or like I said, is that some comedian who is like, no, dude, you can't come on my podcast. You're not ready. And it's like, fuck you. You're fucking short. You got to have you got to have like a good amount of like, fuck you money to be able to hire a skywriter to fucking get after some dude. I love that. That's so good. Uh, Emma Dahlenberg, who is a, a comedian from Minneapolis. She's she's just over six feet. And she said something like, oh, my God, like, I totally went out with a short guy and I had sex with a guy who was five foot eight. And I was like, why do all the tall guys get pussy? It's not fair. And they were like, what? You think five eight's tall? I'm like, well, at my height, yes. Five eight's, a f- you're a giant. Dude, I literally was on the road with uh, in Kansas City last weekend with uh, Jonathan Kite from Two Broke Girls, uh, Johnny Mitchell from the Fuckman podcast, and then uh, a writer by the name of Ryan Neeson. And we literally, it, it's Ryan Neeson, John Kite. Johnny Mitchell and then me. <laughs> and I was like, this looks like the worst like fucking arc to a story ever. Like, look at these three. It's Seriously, like somebody's stock report. Yeah, it, yeah. I said, this is home prices in nine months, is what I said. It's so fucking true, man. Like, holy shit. It's just it was awful. And of course, like, you know, I got a good kick out of it, but it was funny because we were taking pictures with like, you know, fans out in the lobby afterwards. And uh Every time, man, everyone always had to make that joke. Short people up front. I'm like, bitch, I've been fucking hearing that since kindergarten. <laughs> I was like, we're good. It's all good. Oh, so, yeah. man. Um, but yeah, no, man, it's still like that one last group of, uh, I always say, um, you know, there was a woman that I did date one time and she said something about like, hey, man, some some ladies like tall women or some uh, some ladies like short guys. I was like, really? Because Snow White didn't fuck any of them dwarves. Not one. <laughs> not one. So, that was always the joke is how many of them is she fucking? Yeah. None. Not one. Not one. You know why? Because a fucking prince who was five foot nine showed up. <laughs> five <laughs> not, nine. Not even, that, not, not even that tall, but she's like still taller than the rest of you motherfuckers. Oh, man. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel like. Being short, oftentimes, I feel like you guys look more normal, though. I feel like short guys are more well-proportioned. Because, like, you're not tall and gangly. Like, your arms are just there. Mine are all over the place. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, I guess. Like, that's yeah, how yeah, it, yeah. It's, it, this is just that classic perception. Grass is always greener thing. Like, would you rather be... Like, yeah, it's nice to be able to reach up and grab shit, right? That's obviously cool. Yeah. But it does become awkward and, and weird. Like, clothes are hard to find when you're tall and lanky. Everything's either too short or too too wide. Yeah. Like, it really does become a thing where it's like, and I'm not even that tall. I'm just oddly shaped. I'm kind of tall. I'm only six feet tall, but I'm also fucking skinny as shit. Yeah. And it's like finding pants or shorts, like shorts. I <laughs> bought a pair of shorts the other day and I was like, these look right. Cause that's the size I am, yeah. you know, usually about a 30, 31 inch waist. Dude, these things, I don't know why it says 30 inch waist. They had like a 26 inch waist. I couldn't fucking get them around. I think the yeah. next size up which is a 32 was too big. Yeah. 
It's like, these are supposed to be swimming trucks. I don't want to have to wear a belt while I'm in the pool. That yeah. kind of defeats the purpose. Or you finally get them to the right thing, and then they're like short shorts on you. you yeah. Know what I mean? Now, it's like, now like, I look like a pedophile. Yeah, that's, fucking... that's why That's why I can't do it, man. I, I feel like my thighs are too big. I got weird like DC Batman villain thighs. Like, they're just fucking too wide. I don't like them. That's why I wear capris. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I get made fun of all the time for my capris. I'm like, dude, I can't do shorts. Because the, the shorts nowadays, like when we were growing up, dude, it was... Deftones, you're yep. gonna wear that shit past your knee yep. with a pair of Adidas shoes and socks that are pulled up. So basically, it's like capris. Yep. And now I can't find shorts anymore that don't come down past. They got a seven inch inseam. I'm like, are we fucking John Stockton? <laughs> Who the fuck is wearing? <laughs> Jesus Christ! They're coming back. It, listen, it's either everyone's a giant fat ass or you are super fucking scrawny nowadays. Like, I am so tired of having to like either dress <laughs> like a fucking 85 year old man or a 17 year old fuck boy. You can't. There's nothing in between. There's nothing in between for dudes that are 40. You, <laughs> think, you think I want to wear a flat boy. brim hat? I don't have a choice. You can't fucking find him anywhere else. It's either this or no one will suck your dick. Like, I got nothing. You the either fuck? go flat brim or you go full on trucker hat. Like, you're either full in the south where you're curling it up like, hey, where's my bush lat? Yes. That's or a, you're going fucking that's a, that's flat That's exactly brim. it. And I never I never used to buy a hat like this until like, I don't know, maybe about, maybe this is like my midlife crisis. Like, I'm not buying a convertible and like, since I already got the earrings and the tattoos, Fuck it, we're just buying flat brim hats now. <laughs> like that's my midlife crisis. Jesus, I don't know, man. Like, ah, it sucks. Like, I hate the fact that you have to like literally go out and and buy clothing that another seventeen year old would wear because as time is going on, like, do you remember like what a fucking forty year old looked like when we were kids? That's what I was just gonna say, Dude. right? Like, I used to give. Black people shit about this because I got a lot of black friends. Now, I'm not just saying I go to Copal Black. I got a lot of black friends and I used to give them shit like, dude, look at all the other fucking adults that walk around that we work with. Like they all wear fucking button up, blah, 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 yeah. blah. I was like, you dress like your high school kid. And he's like, that's why I get more pussy than you do. It's, it's so, <laughs> God, it's so, I know, I know. It's like nobody can just age gracefully anymore. You got fucking six-year-old women with giant lips and fake tits and just like dudes are like going to get their their man boobs fucking tucked in and you're like, did you just age gracefully like everybody else, man? Like, Bro, I, I, we're worst, all not going to be Sean Connery, I guess. Dude, the worst is the new like men getting their bald head covered in fake hair like um, super short sure. fake hair and man if it's not glued in right or if the wind if it gets too hot there's this one dude i seen on the internet i was dying it was on tiktok basically it was a super hot day and the glue started to melt on the side of his head and then the wind started to kick in and so he just had this tiny little flap of hair on the side of his Hilarious. head and this one dude walks up and he goes hey man what's wrong with your hair and he goes what are you talking about and the dude just goes like this and just Ugh. barely touches it must have hit the last little piece of glue that was left and the wind grabbed it and this whole fucking yeah, hair came off and it's just flapping in the wind oh my god like... <laughs> oh it's so bad man I've had vanity ha i've had it happen a few times like being out at a show and like somebody will come up and talk to you you know a, a woman and while you're just like sitting there chatting you, you can't even understand a word that they're saying because you are so fixated on the fact that their eyelash is hanging yep. half off their fucking face. Yep. And you're like, do you, do you not have friends? 
did somebody not tell you that you or are literally lip, or the lipstick the, on the teeth? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Like yep. I'm always like, ooh, she's had a little too much to drink tonight. Yeah. You should have noticed that. Like something, something should have been acknowledged that you have a lot of lipstick on your teeth yeah. now. Like, and that something should be friends. <laughs> your friends should be the ones that pull you aside and be like, listen, Elizabeth, you're kind of making us look bad here. Could you, you know, a little something, anything? I, I every time I see that, every time I see somebody who's like obviously. Um, you know, out in public and everybody notices it staring mm -hmm. hard. Uh, I'm like, oh, that person, no real friends. Yeah. it's real, for, real. for the guys, it's the same thing. It's something in our teeth, bug hanging, yeah. in the, you know, something, you got a little weird piece of wax that you miss sticking out of your ear, yeah. whatever. Hey bro, you got a little something, man. Take that out. No, that's it, like guy code 101. Absolutely. It's One, like, yes. we don't give a fuck if we hurt your feelings. We're trying to save you some embarrassment, bro. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Because I want somebody to help me out. Absolutely. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh my God. All right. So let's fucking, let's try to break some of this down. Cause I, I think you have a super interesting journey. We ironically have a mutual friend and was it Saturday or was it Sunday? Uh, what's today? Tuesday? I think it was Sunday. It was Sunday. Sunday, Su yeah, it was Sunday. Yep, Sunday. So Sunday, Patrick Olson calls me. He used to work for 93X, for the listeners that do and do not know, whatever. That's the same guy I'm talking about. Um, So Patrick calls me. We're just bullshitting. He's got a couple people he wants me to get on the podcast. And um, he asked me, he goes, so how's things going? Who you got coming up? Blah, 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 blah. And I mentioned your name and two other people that I thought he might recognize. And he's like, oh, Rudy. He actually knew you knew you, spoke very highly of you, and then I was like, he's like, oh, dude, I should fucking call him right now. I was like, that would be hilarious if you random three-way called him and I'm on the line. And then he's like, oh, I don't have his number anymore. Shit. So I said, fuck it. I'll call him. And we just randomly three-way called you in the middle of the day. Him and I were, we had just started drinking. By the end of the night, man, we were prank calling our friends. Dude, we got fucking drunk. Dude, it was pretty funny. But the, it was so funny because basically you pick up the phone and I'm like, hey, I got somebody that wants to talk to you. It's Patrick from 93X. And your first response was, what? How do you two know each other? And yeah. it's that classic thing in this town. It's a big city, but it's a small town. Yeah. We're, and yeah. we all somehow know each other. And Absolutely. it's just, it's awesome. I think it's fucking cool as fuck. Yeah. So you two worked at 93X together. Yeah. Before I get into that, to be honest, I thought you were my gardener. <laughs> I saw that number and I was like, oh man, did I fucking lock the garage again? God damn it. I'm I don't have a gardener. Now, uh, yeah, so him and I worked at 93X together. I was a big fan of 93X years before I got there. Uh, Patrick, you know, the spiking Viking, I mean, that guy was synonymous with Minnesota. You know, everywhere that dude was You'd see him on the fucking Minnesota Vikings commercials. I mean, he was a legitimate him. celebrity. He was, Absolutely. He, he did the voices for one of the radio stations in Grand Theft Auto, the first three. Yeah. Um, he's a legitimate celebrity, and he just happened to be from here and like our music. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's such a good guy, you know, lovable, uh, drank a lot, and then finally was like, all right, time for me to get my shit together a little bit. Uh, made a family, had a couple of kids, moved out to California. Now he works for the Minnesota, or excuse me, the California Department of Transportation. Yeah. And I'm like, the fuck, dude? I know. I, I always want to give him right? shit about it because I'm like, Jesus. Like, but, but that's just sort of... But that's like what I'm talking about when it just comes down to outlasting people, you know, and not that Patrick like made a bad decision to get out of the business, but I can understand like after a while you just go. And like you said, fucking Grand Theft Auto, 93X, all this stuff, it doesn't supersede. Everybody thinks that they're going to find happiness when it comes to like having a name and entertainment. That is not where you find it. No. You find it more in family. You find it. And it takes so long to be able to understand that. And now- 
now I totally understand why it is that a guy would want to get out of the business and move to California and just like kick it with his kids a thousand percent. I've had friends of mine and there's one guy in particular that I kind of had to have it out with him because he was a friend and he was a radio guy. And uh, he, him and his wife and the, the two girls moved out to Colorado. And after being out there for like, you know, two and a half years, his, him and his wife got divorced and he fucking packed up and took a job in like halfway across the country. And his kids were still like four yep. and seven. Yep. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, what? I, I got to work. I'm like, yeah, go work at Ikea until your fucking babies are grown. Like, they don't need you. To, they don't need to see their dad on the radio. They need to see their dad. They don't give a shit what their fucking right. job is. I've had jobs where I was, you know, uh, afternoon drive at 93X on a huge fucking morning show here not that long ago. Both of those things. My daughter has seen both of those and then also watched me sell couches in a fucking mall. Right. And uh, between those three jobs, none of them matter. Right. It doesn't matter what you're doing. They don't give a shit what you do. They want you there. That's why you're... And I was just like so fucking mad at him. And that's why when I see Patrick and, you know, now him and his wife are divorced, which is a very natural fucking thing nowadays, especially, you know, for how much is out there. And for... It's weird that we have this like mentality nowadays of... Let's get into this thing that is proven to fucking fail more than 50% of the time. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? But um, I see, like, he's super engaged with his kids when they're there. And when they're gone, he's finding new outlets. And I'm like, good for you, man. That's That's the way to do it. You got three and a half days every week where you're by yourself. Use it in a healthy, positive way. Yeah. Because a lot of us don't. A lot of us just sit and drink and, you know, stay silent and watch TV oh, and get fat. Dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, fuck, dude. Like, figure out that thing that you can go out and, and make positive change when you have those extra three days every week. So, yeah, he's such a, a, a sweet guy. And um, I saw him, Jesus, I think the last time was probably about seven, eight years ago was wow. the last time I saw him. But he's just like, I don't know. You just... He's kind of one of those dudes that when you talk to him, you kind of feel like he makes you feel like you're the only guy on the on the planet at that moment. That's what I like about Patrick, you know? I When I first got into comedy, I'd always, like, pitch him ideas and shit, and he'd be like, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, that's not good. But then I'd also, I'd also pitch him something and go, money, that's good. Yeah. Keep that. So I was like, you know, I, I appreciated that he told me the good and the bad. Yeah, I love the fact that he doesn't, even though we're we're buddies and, and all that kind of shit, he doesn't sit here and try to, like, sugarcoat or even bullshit in any way, shape, or form with me. So I sent him some of the music I'm working on. He goes, do you want me to be honest? I was like, no, I want you to fucking blow some, of course, of course be honest, yeah. bud. And he goes, I wouldn't play that on the radio. And I was like, really? Why? Like, I'm expecting him to go, it's not good enough, it's not ready, it's not actually catchy. And he goes, it doesn't sound like anything. And I was like, that's, that's the good, greatest thing I've ever heard. good input. Yeah. I was like, but it's also, for me, validating what I'm trying to do. I didn't take it as discouragement. I went, good. Because that means I'm not following a trend that's only currently popular. Because yeah. that's what a lot of musicians did, right? Is, well, this is what's popular on the, on the radio right now, so we should make that music. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know how it works in any other part of the entertainment business, but the way it works in music is, unless you're already big, by the time you write enough music, record it, put it out there, tour and advertise on it, that music's probably not going to be popular anymore. Because genres change, styles change, oh, things yeah, yeah, change. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> and I used to watch bands do that all the time. Starting with like literally new metal. You know, corn, Limp Biscuit, things like that were popular. 
So they'd start a band like that from scratch, and by the time it made it popular, Nonpoint was the next thing that was coming out, and fucking P.O.D. and all this other shit. And, yeah. Oh, well, let's try to go a little bit more that direction. Then all of a sudden, it's Linkin Park, and it's Slipknot that are popping off now, and oh, well, now we got to get heavier, and then all of a sudden, it was Kill Switch Engage that was popular. Oh, well, now we're going to start doing riff jabs, and now that's gone. And it's fucking... You just make your own art, make your own creative expression, and then my honest to god philosophy is there's eight billion people on this planet just find one out of 300 that'll buy your shit because here's and this is honest to god because fuck eight billion that's a big number it's hard to comprehend right let's keep it simple there's 300 million plus people in america let's keep it 300 before the internet if you sold a million records in the music business that's a million records that's platinum that is the biggest thing Damn. since sliced bread that is still only one out of 300 people actually buying your shit, period. One million out of 300 million. So the goal is, how do you get in front of 300 new people every single night? Well, tour, playing shows, getting out of your area, but the biggest thing for us is the internet. You've got your morning show, I've got my dumbass podcast, uh, some guys make TikTok videos, right? That's what that's what Patrick's kind of doing. Is he's starting to like make these fun, goofy Instagram reels and TikTok videos and things like that. And I've watched guys, I've watched guys make like literally fifty, sixty thousand dollars on Instagram and TikTok, and then use that to leverage that to go do what they really want to do. Yeah, because I think, and I'm not sure if this is where you were intending this to start, but this is kind of what stuck out to me and what you were saying is that. You shouldn't work just to pay your bills so you can take care of your family financially or, or, or pay to go out with your friends financially. Is What you should be doing is you should be pursuing a career that allows you the freedom or work-life balance that it gives you the ability to even have a family or friends. Because a lot of us will work ourselves into nothingness and then we're completely alone. Going back to the thing where like, you clearly have no friends. Yeah. Like you might be here with six people, but none of them care about you. Yeah. They're all here to try to clout chase with you or whatever because you've been walking around with a bug hanging out of your nose for 20 minutes and not a single person has said shit to you. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I see that a lot too, man. Dude, I was working so fucking hard, my beard started falling out. No way. Yeah. And you can even maybe i don't know you might be able to see Mine's a little patchy. yeah uh but i mean like literally like giant pieces of alopecia i had a one piece up right here man and i noticed yeah. it right away and then eventually that grew back and then i had another one and i'm like i'm just fucking working myself too hard i mean i'm getting up every morning and when i left that morning show i used to wake up at 3 15 and everyone would go oh my god it must be so good to sleep in i'm like i'm still waking up at 4 a.m I'm still cranking shit out all day. And at some point I just went enough. I'm fucking done, man. I'm done. And I started telling clients. No, I started telling people I can't, I can't make that video. I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted by the end of the night. Uh, I would miss out on, you know, I would get it. Somebody would go, Hey man, if you can make it here by eight o'clock, I can give you a 10 minute set. And I'm like, perfect. And then I would miss my time. And then I'd get to the club 35 minutes late and they go sorry dude we already moved on yep. and i'm like fuck this no more man i'm done and just started putting a, a boundary on myself and on people dude if it's 5 p.m regardless of what your fucking time zone is i'm not gonna i'm not working past that anymore i'll do there are some things i have to get done a little bit later at night like for adam carolla i don't get their uh material until probably about 6 p.m every night and then i knock it out put it on youtube but for everybody else doesn't matter if your time zone is 3 p.m. I'm out. It's 5 p.m. where I'm at. I'm fucking done. No more. I just, it's too much. We work ourselves to the bone and everybody thinks that 
the the more you keep grinding, the fuck, and that is not how it goes, man. That's not what it is anymore, dude. Bring some of that shit back from, you know, you're basically funneling it all into your career. Mm -hmm. If you pull out a couple of things, dude, that water's going to rush a little bit faster. Sure. Pull some of that shit out, dude. You ain't got to be, dude, when I go like to the cabinet stuff now, no more computers, no more phones, none of that shit. Put it all away. Fucking deal with it on Sunday. And if people can't respect that, fuck them, dude. They're, right. they're, they're, you're, if you're good enough, people will come and find you. That's interesting because yeah. I kind of feel the same way. It's like, because we, we had a little scheduling conflict uh, a couple of weeks ago, a little miscommunication, not a conflict. We had a miscommunication and I was explaining to you, I was like, yeah, I don't fuck with Facebook or Instagram yeah. unless it's like, that's the day I'm going to do four hours of booking. So I open up those messenger apps and all that shit and I start DMing people and it's like, yeah, let's fucking, let's do these dates, whatever. Because dude, I get the most random messages through those things. And it's such a distraction that it's like, no, the only thing I allow to come through my phone is a notification. Literally, I went into my phone and turned off all social media notifications. It's fucking text messages. I don't even know when I get an email because my attitude is if you call me or text me, and I get that ping, that's somebody who has my real phone number and is contacting me for a reason. Maybe not even important, but it's mm -hmm. somebody who needs to get in touch with me for something. That Facebook shit, that Instagram shit, that could be any random person just wasting yeah. your time. Yeah, and I could be on date night with my wife. I could be on whatever. But if my phone rings or somebody text messages me, it at least allows me to go, hey, I'm going to look at this and decide if it's something I want to respond to right now. Because you're goddamn right, dude, if you start doing it with everything, and that's that's where I had to draw my boundary, is like, what apps am I doing? When am I doing them? And I designate certain times of the day for them. And I'm even trying to go a step further now, which is like when I'm posting Instagram clips, because I'm trying to get better at making clips from my podcast, from the radio, or from the morning show, from whatever I'm doing, making clips and then releasing those on Instagram and TikTok. Sure. I'm even trying to do that in a scheduled manner now. Like, I'm going to post those on Friday schedule them for monday morning and i'm not checking them after they go like maybe in a couple days i'll look and see mm -hmm. where they're at but no that whole thing where you're like you post it and then you refresh how many likes am i getting how many comments am i getting how many and then it just kills you it consumes you and how, it's just so unhealthy as a, as a creator how are you supposed to be validated <laughs> right. how, how are you supposed to feel good about yourself unless you realize that 37 people liked your one fucking video furious I, and constant masturbation yeah, That's yeah you're right yeah, yeah yeah no i agree and i like that concept of hey man if you got my phone you, we, 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 we fuck. We got stuff to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we fuck. But uh, everybody else, piss off. I ain't got time for At you, least man. for now. Yeah. At least for now. Because I've built some amazing friendships and relationships in the entertainment business that started through Facebook Messenger. Sure. You know, literally one guy, random dude, right away at the beginning was like, hey, man, I'm a big fan of your podcast. I'd love to come on sometime. That's all he said. I even gave him shit later. I was like, you know how long I left that message in my fucking Dropbox? Because I was like, it's such an unprofessional way to, I'm like, normally people would be like, hey, my name is so-and-so. I yeah. play for this band. Here's some links to my stuff. I would love to come on someday. And so he's just like, I'm a big fan. I'd love to be on. Like, I didn't think you were a real musician, right? I thought yeah. you were just some random guy. I just ignored it for months. Yeah. Because it's one line that I could clearly read. And I just left it on unread forever, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But, but. That That's is, why I said it's just for now. That is funny you say that because I realized that my podcast, A Long Walk to Cleveland, started getting traction once people started asking to come on it. No shit. Yeah. 
because I was realizing like I'm asking all these people and some people are like no 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 like and then one day I was just like you know what fuck it dude I'm just tired of having guests all the time it's too hard I like doing it every single day because I'm a radio guy I like I like working those muscles every single day doing it once a week for me is too little and sure. it feels like it's too much because now I got an hour and a half's worth of material I got to fucking sift through and make clips and blah 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 and do all that shit where if I do it every single day and I know the process it just flows out of me, and I know exactly what I'm doing for that one hour every single day. Uh, so, but what I realized is like, I realized that that this uh, this thing that I was doing was starting to like get a, a a couple of nibbles from people outside of just like those friends and family. Was when people started asking, "Hey, man, I noticed that you're doing a thing. Can I jump on it with you?" And I'm like, "Ah, okay. Now that's the indicator, man. Like that's how you know like the, so when people are hitting you up instead of you having to reach out going, "Hey, it feels weird. Can you come and do my podcast?" You know, working for Corolla, so many people hit him up and go, "Can I come on?" Cuz right. they realize the bump that they're getting. Right. I mean, fuck, dude. I mean, you I, I can't tell you like how many comedians I've already edited for that show like two or three different times mm-hmm. and just every time I edit something for them, it's a bigger venue. It's more fans. It's more people. It's it's all this shit. Sure. And it's just from that one show. And they reach out to him. He very seldom, unless it's like somebody that's very timely, uh, somebody that he really wants to interview, or it's somebody that is like a recurring guest, like an Adam Ray or a Michael Yo or a Jonathan Kite. Everybody else, PR people reach out and they're like, hey, by the way, we got this new book coming out. Can we come on? That's how you start to know like shit is really starting to pop for you. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you're definitely onto something there. And and that's just the only way I could balance it, right? It's just like, for now, you, you guys are in this other thing because I don't know if you're real or not. A yeah. lot of these, I mean, that's the way I look at it, man. I, these arguments and shit that happen online, right? Like the social media, oh, it's also toxic and cancel culture and this and this. It's like, when are people going to acknowledge that probably 50% of online trolls are literally children? Like, when are we just oh. going to start talking? When are we going to talk about yeah. this? Like, it, I guarantee you 50% of assholes online are actually children. Oh, dude, <laughs> it is fucking, I'm telling you right now, if you want to have a good read, go read the YouTube section, the comment section of any Adam Carolla show. Not to keep bringing him up. <laughs> no, but, it's fine. But dude, there's a guy on the show who literally has a fucking brain tumor still to this day, has beat cancer, made a baby while he was like... His body was riddled with fucking chemotherapy, has beaten all the odds. The doctors gave him six months. He's now like 13 years into being a cancer survivor. People light him the fuck up. I read those comments and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, man? Like that dude's a cancer survivor. Regardless of what you think of him as a broadcaster, how about just having some respect for somebody who is struggling to stay alive oh, so they're not doing it playfully and fun they're being toxic oh my god dude oh okay. no, no no it okay. is it's <laughs> like i read i'm like how do you guys not jump off a fucking bridge every day yeah, you don't i get it them. like every once in a while i'll post a reel or something and i'll get like a, a comment like that's not funny or you're not a funny comic or whatever and i just always just go dude first off thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule <laughs> to come and talk to me because i would never do it for you and there's nothing that fucks with somebody That's more. That's some Gary Vee shit. Yeah. Dude. There's nothing that fucks with somebody more than when you tell them that you are irrelevant to them. Yeah. Like, dude, because I would never take time out of my day to tell somebody that they suck ever, right. regardless of what I thought of them. I just wouldn't. I got too much other shit to do. Sure. So that when they do it, oh man, it fucking, you know that line from the original Street Fighter with Jean-Claude Van Damme when he goes, uh, 
not John Claude, but what was his name? Raul, the guy who played Gomez in Adam's Family. Oh, Raul Julia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. he said, uh, when he said, uh, when I came in and burned down your village, it was the best. It was the it was the most devastating day of your life. But to me, it was Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. And I'm like, oh, savage. Man. I'm so savage. I know, so man. I'm like, brutal. holy shit. So that's what I always think about that stuff when I read all those things. I'm like, dude, wow. Thank you for taking time out of your day, because you and I are both thinking about me, but I am not thinking about right, you, so right. fuck off, yeah. The, I think the kids nowadays, the one for them that's going to resonate, the exact same sentiment is fucking, it's from that Avengers movie, fucking Thanos is on the deal, and Scarlet Witch drops down, she's like, you took everything from me, and he's like, I don't even know who you are. Yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> and she's yeah, like, yeah. you will. Yeah, yeah, dude. I, know, <laughs> I don't man. even know who you are. I know. That's my favorite one. It's yeah. just so lit. That, that's my favorite line. I don't even know who you are. Yeah. And then if you're strong enough, which I usually am not, I'm usually waiting for him to retort so I can just light him up. Yeah. But no, just block him. Just literally, I don't even know who you are. Block him and move on. That's the ultimate online move, I think. But Absolutely. really, really, they're, I, I swear to God, over 50% of them are children anyway. So it's like... I think I'm the weak one when I sit there and wait for him to clap back so I can light him up. I'm like, oh, yeah, because I'm really going to get one over on this 14-year-old. Yeah, and, and what does it prove? You know, like, uh, what, you, you fucking talk shit to somebody right. online and, like, I'll, it's not like your mortgage went down. It's not like <laughs> it's not like you got a brand new vehicle out of it. It's not like, you know, fucking you got a yeah, washer yeah, yeah. dryer set from The Price is Right because you talk shit to some, like, kid on Facebook. Who gives a fuck? Like... I don't know. That stuff just like, it so boggles me that to this day, we still fucking deal with it. You know who's not dealing with it though? And I'll, I swear to God, and maybe they're, they're just really good at hiding it. Uh, who's not doing it is um, there is like a whole new generation of kids that because they're growing up with this stuff, they're not letting it bother them. Right. Our brains. We I agree move, with you. We move, we move so far in technology. Our brains weren't able to handle it. But because kids, like my 14-year-old daughter, I've never seen her talk shit to her friends. I've never seen her friends talk shit to her. Uh, they don't judge. My daughter walked out of gymnastics one time with her underwear in her hand. And I was like, are you going to put that in a bag or something? She's like, no, why? In my mind, I'm like, if my friends saw my underwear in my hand when I was 11. They'd ask you if you shit your pants. That would have been it. You, had, you would have had to fucking move. You would have had to burn down the high school. Yep. You couldn't have gone. To, you would have <laughs> had to fucking move out of town. That was, you can, there's no way, man. They would have fucking lit you up. And they're like, she's like, oh, whatever. No big deal. And just like, you know, put it in her backpack and kept walking. Yeah, and that like, generation Why? is super weird. Like all the way up to about 23 <laughs> years old. They're yeah. super interesting because they seem to fall into two categories. They're either completely ob oblivious because they live in like this sheltered, protected little world and they have zero comprehension of what reality is, or they're incredibly well-informed and extremely well-educated. And I think that's because of the internet. Um, cause they just have the ability to have real conversations with yeah. somebody in Europe, like through yeah. discord or whatever. They're not, it's not like you and I, where when we were that age, our entire ability to perceive what was going on in Iraq was through CNN. Yeah. It's just not the reality. These kids no. can get on and I can game with somebody from Iraq right now if I really wanted to. It's yeah. not that hard. Yeah. I could even find a specific game and then go into the section where all these guys are from the Arab nations and you can like, they all speak English. Like, 
What it is you, kind of macabre if you think about it. Playing like fucking Call of Duty, Call of Duty with dudes <laughs> from the Middle East. Like, it's a little, sorry guys, I'm I'm, I'm on What's this even team. funnier yeah. is they also know the game and the strategies and, sure. and the stereotypes. So they'll fucking be like, "Oh, I'm a fucking terrorist! I'll come to your house and blow That's you up!" Hilarious. Like they'll troll yeah. you the same way. Like they are fully aware of what's going on. I love that, and they're just so well informed that they'll. They'll do all that shit. And then, like I said, there's the other side, though, that is so sheltered and like it's kind of alarming. It kind of scares me because I'm like, I just hope that the second group I'm talking about, the informed ones, the educated ones, I just hope that those are the ones who end up like running the companies and being bosses and shit because they're well minded. They're fucking thoughtful. They're educated and considerate. Then there's the other ones that are extremely dude. I, I talked about this on the morning show today. So, have you heard about the new Lizzo uh, 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 clapback that she's getting? No. All right. So, she just dropped another single off her new album. I love having these conversations with you because you're a comedian, but you were you worked in the fucking radio industry. So, like, you probably like music. I could just make assumptions, wild assumptions. Yeah. You probably like music yeah, yeah. or find music news interesting. So, she's got this line in there where it says something like, uh, hold my bag, bitch. Um, I'm about to knock a bitch out or something like that i'm a spaz where's my best friend she's the only one that can talk me off the deep end okay <laughs> dude she's getting a bunch of shit on twitter for being an ableist because spaz is derogatory towards people who have certain physical issues out there they're like it's yeah. a derogatory term that's inappropriate and it's an insult and blah 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 and i'm like so you skipped past the actual word bitch, which has been a legitimate insult and derogatory word for women for decades. Yeah. And you're flipping out over the word spaz because you have cerebral palsy and you don't feel like she's using the word appropriately. And like literally there's an article I read on the morning show where I'm like, this is this is the this is the epitome of. It's gone too far. Yeah, I always thought spaz was like, hey man, don't spaz out. Like somebody who's like getting angry. That's exactly how she used it. Yeah. And they're going, no, it actually has to do with this and this and this. And it's like, fuck off. That's the point. Yeah. The fact of the matter that she also called herself a spaz, right? And she wasn't condescending or insulting herself. She's basically warning people like, I'm going to flip the fuck out. I need my best friend to come calm me down. And sure. she used the word bitch several times surrounding this. No one says anything about the word bitch. Like, same thing in the hip-hop. We, the N-word has been in hip-hop forever. That's an actual slur and has been used derogatory for years. Mm-hmm. But certain people are allowed to use certain words like that, which is fine. We've been down that road a million times. Bitch has been used in so many hip-hop songs for decades. Yeah. Ho. Yeah. None of these things are brought up because people just go, well, it's art. It's, you know, it's part of that lexicon. Well, guess what? So is spaz and fucking yeah. retard. Yeah. All of them, dude. Like, I just, I, it's so funny to me because it's the same thing. Like, I grew up a musician to retardando was a word that we used in orchestra class to slow the pace of the music down. Like, it literally means to, if something is retarded, it's preventing progress. Sure. So if I say that idea is retarded and then somebody goes, that's fucked up. I have a cousin who's mentally disabled. I'm like, okay, that has nothing to do. I wasn't even insulting a person. No, you're I right. was talking yeah. about an idea that is literally preventing progress. I mean, but you want to take this and dude, I just, I think that's the epitome of it's gone too far. Yeah. And is what's crazy to me is that's that generation. You got two versions of that generation. 
you've got the spazzes. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got the really brilliant people that are genuinely impressive human beings where I'm like, fuck, man, at 20 years old, I was, I still don't think I'm that thoughtful. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, no, but at 20, and, I'm and, like. And there's a lot of people that are well-educated and very thoughtful and like creative and like think of like things outside of the box. And if they're under 30, I still don't want to fucking hear what they have to say. <laughs> I, I don't give a fuck how educated you are. <laughs> I'm so fucking tired of everybody under 30. Just shut the fuck up. I'm so done with it. I don't give a shit anymore. Uh, I have a, I have a gay brother. I have a black sister. Nice. And every time that I try to like slip in like a joke every once in a while about it, um, there's one joke I've been working on recently. And You're I talking like in public on, on uh, yeah, stage and yeah. shit. And, and I, you can definitely tell like people like fucking pull back sometimes. And there's a joke that I'm trying to work on right now where I've been, uh, my, my sister is half white, half black, but it's weird that her dad wasn't there, but her dad is the white guy. So I'm like trying to figure out a way to say it. And every time, cause I'm like, you know, I'm like, she's super into folk music, which is her white side. But then her dad wasn't there, which is her way to overcome adversity or so. I don't know what the fuck. This is what I love about comedy. It's like, it's work. It's yeah. real work. Cause like, okay, I laughed hysterically. Cause I already know what you're trying to say. Yes. And, that's the that's what i think is amazing about your art form right i already know that's funny now the work is how do you make that to where everybody understands what you're actually trying to say yeah. like how did i get it immediately yeah. and it's not because i'm racist i'm not no. i don't even want to hear that shit i'm mixed i'm actually fucking an eighth black and jewish and native american yeah. and happen to kind of look white right like mm -hmm. i even get that from a lot of people they're you like are, you're not actually white are you and i'm like no you are ancestry.com's wet dream exactly yes. exactly mm -hmm. right um but so why is it that i knew exactly what you said even though you admitted you're still working on that joke you don't have all the words perfectly aligned yet but even i knew what it's fun yeah that it, the concept in itself is funny now we just got to figure out well, technically, you got to figure out how to convince essentially everybody else that that idea is as equally as funny as we think it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you convey it that it's OK, you know, prefacing it with like my daughter my, or my sister is black, something like there has to be something there. And but it, it we're getting to that point now where especially and I know a lot of people talk shit about the Will Smith uh, slap at the Oscars. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I think this might have been a good turning point for us because after seeing that, I think everybody went, ooh, maybe we are taking shit a little too far. You know, when when we're allowing this to happen on a giant stage like that, when people who are supposed to be the prime example of, you know, like what it is to be an outstanding actor are slapping each other and right. saying, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Maybe we are taking it too much. And I sort of got a little taste of it this weekend in Kansas City. Um, one of the guys that we were on the road with, this Ryan Neeson, one of the funniest, the guy speaks in jokes. That's all he does. It is fucking so funny, man. I'm just so like amazed by this guy. He said one of the funniest things. I, there's a few jokes that I, I will always remember. And this one has always stuck with me because it's super funny. And it's, as we talked about, economy of words. But while we were in Kansas City, he went to the Kansas City Monarchs um, Negro League Baseball Museum, right? Mm. Great history, amazing story. He went out and he bought this really kick-ass like Monarchs hat, and he got up on stage that night and was like, "Wow, Kansas City, you guys are great." I went to the Kansas City Monarchs Negro League Baseball Museum, and people were like, "Yeah!" Like they started cheering and shit. And Ryan's like, "Yeah, amazing." Interesting enough, the bus they rode on 
All back seats. <laughs> Fucking leveled that room. Leveled it. I mean, people were falling out of their chairs. When the laughter started to come down, there was one guy up front that went, damn. And it was fucking... Now, That's it was amazing. an even better... T- it was so funny, man. So we're kind of getting there. It, we're not there yet. I think we're still right. a little like... Our, our assholes clinch a little too much, but we're getting there. And and this was, that was well, a real sign. Do you also sign. notice it's never an actual black person in the room that gets offended at a joke like that? Oh, it's, a, it's a white person in the room or somebody who portrays themselves as a black person on Twitter. Like I said, it could be a children. It's probably some 14-year-old white kid oh, yeah. with... Uh, a avatar and a fake profile or yeah. it's a Russian troll farm. That's the one that's really been getting me. So we all know and acknowledge now that Russian troll farms were really a thing in 2016 and they helped influence the election one way or the other. Evidence shows they were playing both sides. They'd set up a Black Lives Matter, Black, Black Lives Matter rally protest across the street from a blue lives matter protest like we know they did these things we know they fucked with the hillary people we know they fucked with the trump people but suddenly here it is 2022 and everybody has forgotten that these fucking people in these troll farms still exist yeah. like you think they did that election and then they were just like okay go accomplished and just moved on with their lives no they they are still trolling us i don't think most of these fucking people online are real because in the room the black people are laughing at the black jokes. They, it, that's why Andrew Schultz, his crowd work special is, I think, have you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I yeah. think it's one of the best specials that's been made in the last five, six, seven years, because that was literally the point. He goes, you don't get to get offended at the Asian joke when I tell it. And then I show the Asian people in the crowd laughing. Same thing when I make the black joke or the Jew joke or the Italian joke, you don't get to get offended on behalf of these people who are in on it. Yeah. And then Dave Chappelle came out with his special and Bill Burr came out with a special. Dave Chappelle's come out with another one since then. And I think these guys, these handful of comedians at the top are, and who knows, it might be actually coming from, from guys at your level in the middle of the, of the deal where you guys are influencing the guys above you. Like, no, we're still taking shots down here. Take your fuck, shoot your shot, homie. But usually is what it is, is the guys at the top of the mountain who are so fucking big and influential and respected that when they decide to stand their ground like a Chappelle or a Bill Burr on oh, his Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That monologue. Oh, yeah. And, he's, well, and then you fucking white women have the audacity yeah. to lift your legs over the rope and jump the line. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, white women were so offended. And it's like, too bad, bitch. Yeah. Like, that's the point. Yeah. Like, it's offensive. And it's funny, and this is ironically the best way to heal these problems. And this is wisdom that I feel like George Carlin and other comedians were teaching us in the 80s. Like Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, like these guys talked about racial problems and racial diversity and racial differences and stereotypes. And I remember Chris Tucker and Eddie Griffin and Martin Lawrence and all these motherfuckers just making me like literally my stomach would hurt and I couldn't breathe. Yeah. I remember having to get up and leave the room because I was laughing so hard. I thought I was going to puke like they, they had no fear and we were a more conservative society back then. If you think about it, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. were way more accepting of crazy shit being sta- set on stage by comedians, but you know, TV shows and movies were still very kind of, basic compared to what they are now oh dude i literally watch i was just talking about this today i literally really watch the boys <laughs> you guys the boys on oh yeah you seen the news episode <laughs> <laughs> i don't care if i've ruined it for anybody the first episode he, he crawls into a man's dick 
He literally crawled into a man's dick. I was like, dude, we are so far. Because, like, I remember a time when Janet Jackson was like, that was the cutoff point. Because they were really, like, things were starting to go a little more risque. You had, like, Madonna doing, mm-hmm. like, all of the shit she was doing. You know, like, Her, the, like a virgin stuff and all that. Well, and then making out with Britney on stage. Yeah, you had all of this stuff. And then Janet Jackson hit. And things switched up. That's immediately when Vegas went to like more family friendly. Things really changed after Janet Jackson. And it was like, are we ever going to get back to that? Oh, we have so far fucking overshot Janet Jackson. And oh, yeah. oh, my God, dude. I mean, Tommy Lee in Pam and Tommy has a full on like 12 minute conversation with his dick. Which was brilliant. On fucking, By the way, yes. it was brilliant. Like Hilarious. if that makes you uncomfortable, then you just need to learn how to relax because it's genius art. It's like, so funny. The conversation is hilarious. The animation of the penis looking at him like, and talking. Like literally fucking talking. <laughs> Holy it's shit. It's so great. It's so great. It's amazing, man. Yeah, it's I, classic. I, if you're uncomfortable, you got a little bit of homophobic tendencies you need to work out because that shit is downright funny. Like, dude, <laughs> can you imagine like, I was thinking about this today. Like, can you imagine like Lucille Ball being like, Ricky, I got a, I got a pitch of a scene. He's like, go ahead, Lucy. What do you got? I crawl into your dick. (laughs) He'd be like, bitch, get the fuck out of here. Get your shit, get the fuck out. When he's in his dick, he like tickles the walls a little bit. He's like, oh, you like that? First off, that was a wide urethra, was it not? Like, that, it, was it was like a fucking straw. You could see out of it. There's yeah. a light in the background. Like, whose hole is that I'm, big? Wouldn't it be dried out and like, sca- like all fucking scabbed over? Gross. Ick. No, man, it was funny. It's hilarious. But yes, we've so come far, so far. And more and more, like, and you're right, the more guys out there like Rogan, uh, Bill Burr, Chappelle, uh, you get more of those guys out there putting this stuff out into the ethos. It trickles down to yep. the rest of us who aren't at that level can get away with some of that Back stuff to the again. Will Smith thing. I want to ask you about this because I've had this theory. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say my theory, and then you just tell me if I'm crazy or if I'm overthinking it. But I lost all respect for Will Smith in that. Oh, in that I don't incident. know how you couldn't. Yeah, because here's my attitude: that's a bitch move. And we kind of talked about size. I'm not a huge guy. I'm not tiny, but I'm not larger intimidating in any way, shape, or form. I've gotten bullied a lot. I had to learn how to fight. Half my teeth are fake and falling out now. You know, it's been 20 years. Mm-hmm. Fucking, they start to fall apart after a while. <laughs> it's going to be funny when you're like 80 and your teeth are super fucking white, but the rest of you, I looks, know, right? you look like fucking, <laughs> fucking Abe Simpson. A, a, you're like, what the fuck? A piece of tanned yeah. leather with fucking perfect teeth. <laughs> um, but first of all, I always joke about this. Um because I've had certain things happen in the past on stage just being a regular musician. And now it's like when I go out, go out on stage for the first time, I'm going to say it on the mic. I'm going to go, listen to me. I reserve the right to fuck you up if you come up here. Like, it needs to be known. Because we've had Dime Big Daryl literally get shot and killed on stage mm-hmm. at a rock concert, at his own rock concert. Sure. We've had Will Smith walk up and get slapped. We've had Dave Chappelle recently just get tackled. I'm just t- telling people flat out, here's the deal. I'm reserving the right to fuck you up if you come on stage. I'm in an adrenaline-induced state, right? I'm in a performer state. I usually don't have my glasses or contacts in. It is not my responsibility to, in the heat of the moment, decipher whether you're an actual threat or not. If you come up here uninvited, I'm fucking you up. Yeah. Will Smith should know that as somebody who's been in the comedic arts for a long time. Maybe not a stand-up, but you know what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And, and... I don't think he would have done it if it was Joe Rogan up there or if it's The Rock, right? Or somebody else. I think he did it because he perceived Chris to be a smaller, weaker man. And he's Will Smith. And he could, because you think he's going to go up and hit The Rock? 
Yeah. You think he's going to go up and hit Joe Rogan? Because those dudes would fuck him up. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely more afraid of Jada than he is of Chris. You know? I mean, you can see it, man. Like, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Like, he put on a bunch of... I mean, not to, like, judge the guy, whatever. Everybody puts a little weight on, but... He put on some weight and he looked fucking depressed. Yeah, it didn't depressed. look like Yeah, it, it didn't like, look like age weight, dad weight. It looked like depression it weight. It looked like depression weight. Absolutely. It looked like he let himself go. Yeah, and it was just like you could just see it in him, man. Yeah, like, he had like inverted nipples all of a sudden. Like his his chest had gotten so big for his frame. It'd be like me putting on 30 pounds all in my chest. Like his tits had gotten so big his nipples went in. Yeah. That's it, that's depression weight. Dude. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And he looks awful, man. So the fact that, you know, I imagine there was a part of him that thought, if I don't say anything, oh, she's going to fucking, I'm going to hear about it at home, yep. and I can't let that happen. So, yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, so, let me ask you, man, because we've been having a lot of fun riffing and shit going back and forth, but I want to ask you more about you and, and kind of just explore your deal, right? So, you've got, you're in stand-up comedy. You've been doing it for about 15 years, you said. Yeah. So, I took a little bit of time off. I started when I was about... 26, 27, somewhere in there, 42 now. And it's now. something you always wanted to do. Always wanted, yeah. I, I won the fifth grade talent show from a set that I lifted off of A&E's Evening at the Improv. So I would basically like watch it, because there was nothing to record it back in 1991, 92, and I would literally like write jokes that I was listening to, like frantically try to write them down, and then didn't realize like what I was doing, because I was 10. I sure. was like, all right, fuck it. I'll just say whatever they say. They're getting laughs. So I went up and I won the talent show. And Mrs. Perry, our our principal at St. Leo's Catholic School in Hibbing, came up to me afterwards and she went, uh, she went Mr. Povich, um, I thought you were very funny. However, I question where you get some of your material. I mean, dude, I was doing <laughs> sure. desert storm jokes. Right. I was like, <laughs> He's I mean, 10. what fucking 10-year-old is doing a desert? I, I remember the joke. Talking the, about Reagan in the fucking Contra? Yeah, the joke was literally, you know what? They got all these like these kids out there out in uh, desert storm. They're all like the, you know, the, the giant packs and all the guns. All that stuff's heavy. You know what they should have? They should have uh, people who work at Disneyland who are already in the suits. Those guys should be. Could you imagine 10,000 goofies coming out of a sand dude? I remember the joke. I, that's a good joke. That's I mean, a good joke. No that would be fucking terrifying. Oh, by the could way. you imagine, dude? You shoot him right in the middle of the head, and yes, nothing happens. Nothing happens. That head's yes, way up yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Like, I know. I just keep fucking hitting the dog between the eyes, man. I don't know. Like, what the fuck? Um, I think they're rabid. But I literally have been because A and E's evening at the Improv is now on Amazon Prime, and it's every episode of every season. So I have been. I started just around the time that I figured it probably been about. I think Desert Storm was ninety one. So I'm kind of going through like everything that was like late 90s all the way up until like the end of 1992. And I'm watching every fucking set so I can find this guy with that. Are like, you going to message him? And, and be I'm like, gonna, hey, man. If he's still around and be like, hey, dude. I owe I, you a career. <laughs> I, I want to like do like a, like a, like a, a real like 15 minute short documentary if I can find this dude. That'd and, be amazing. And we hook up for one show. I think it'd be fucking hilarious. And uh, so, That's yeah. so funny. So, but in Hibbing, there's no outlets. It's not like there's an open mic. It's not like my parents were ever going to fucking drive me. They wouldn't take me to open swim, let alone down to Minneapolis to go do comedy. You know? Sure. So I was kind of stuck. And for years, I wanted to be a comedian. And then it just it just wasn't going to work out. And by the time I even got to a city big enough and actually had a scene, I was already seven, eight years invested into radio. So you went to college, you went to what, Brown or something? No, I know, man. I, I just, I showed up to a radio station in Mankato, Minnesota. and was like, I'll just work for free. And they were like, sure. 
and I was back just, when that was possible. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. want to be an intern. Okay, free labor. Yeah. yeah, and nowadays, well, you can't even find that shit nowadays because nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to go work at a radio station. Well, not only that, but they actually passed a law a while back to yeah. make interns, free interns, illegal. Yeah, and so they had to be paid, which dried up all the internships at KFAN and 93X overnight. And so, because radio's if, not going to pay, they're fucking cheap. Well, and yeah. They, yeah, and they don't make a lot of money. That's, no. it's, they've never been a super profitable industry. Um, I mean, fuck, dude, Kevin had to lay off regular personalities uh, because of the economy after after September 11th. I distinctly remember this. After September 11th, they got rid of half of their programming. Uh, fucking Dan Cole went from uh, noon to two to he now it's noon to three. I think fucking, um, or it might have even been 11 to 1 or something like that, because I don't think uh, PA was always 9 to noon either. But basically, each show got like an hour longer. There's less people on the payroll. Yeah. That, that was a whole thing. So yeah, then to bring in brand new people with no experience, it, it made sense. And, yeah. and it, it was what pissed me off is people like me, and clearly you at the time, were willing to make that exchange, because this is something we either wanted to do or thought we wanted to do. The free labor was like, yeah, I'm gaining experience and knowledge, and you're getting free labor. Yeah, I still get it now. I, as people don't understand that I was in, uh, when I was in Austin, I was with uh, a comedian by the name of Derek Poston, who is fucking, he, he actually, speaking of Andrew Schultz, he opens for Andrew on the mm. road. You probably, if you follow Andrew, you've definitely seen Derek. And uh, Derek's fucking hilarious, but him and I were talking about some of the things in comedy, and I have, I told him basically I kind of broke it down for him because he was I was down there I was filming the um, girl podcast special for Jesse May Peluso and Carly Aquilino and I kind of just told him dude I'm I'm probably losing money or at best maybe breaking even I'm definitely not coming out in this but if anything I should be fucking paying them I should be paying these girls. Like when I went down to Kansas City, I maybe, maybe walked out of there with an extra 25 bucks in my pocket after everything was said and done. After the hotel was paid for and I got paid for shows and I got paid for doing my work, I may, walked out of there with 25 bucks and people go, well, what the fuck? And I'm like, I should be paying those guys. Well, right. And you came out with a couple really good clips. Like that's one of the things when we were on the phone on Sunday with Patrick, we were talking about, um, <clears throat> you have that bit and I don't, I don't want to burn the bit, but. You've got that Kansas City barbecue bit. Oh, I, I'll probably never use it again just because it was Kansas City. But I suppose I do, it I, is a little topical, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I appreciate you. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's stuff like that, man, where I just go, dude, I should fucking be sucking these guys' dicks for letting me get on the road with them. For, well, for letting and you, you do get content out of it, though. You have that great clip on Instagram. It is making its rounds. It's got a lot of good traction on sure. it already. It'll probably keep going. It'll definitely help you gain more credibility and attention in that area, because it's probably going to do better in Kansas City than everywhere else in the country. So down the road, when you go back, you might actually be able to sell eventually 300 to 500 tickets of your own show and that's where you're going to make your money. So it's you're investing in your own future. Yeah. Just like we do in the music industry. I think the problem is, is too many of us say we want to do that in the music industry. And instead of us breaking even, it's costing us a lot of money. And there's four or five guys in a band. And you do that for four or five years. And eventually guys are going broke doing it. The road can be miserable if you're not oh, with the right group. The worst. Fuck, man. I, I've it's spent, either the best or it's the worst. I, There's I, very little in between. I've spent many a nights in Oaks, North Dakota by myself. <laughs> it is not fucking glamorous, you know? Some of them are great. Some of them are bad. And I don't think there's any in between. And it's all about the people you're on, on the road with. Yeah. But, but where I'm going with this is, unlike comedy, you do this for long enough, guys go broke. They start feeling like they need to make choices. 
They start deciding between their music career or their jobs or their music career and their families because there's not enough people demanding to get paid or at all, really, let alone what they deserve. So even saying, no, we need 200 bucks to come play that show. So each guy in the band can get 40 or 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. Or if you're splitting that, right? So, uh, well, 100 bucks goes into the band fund to make t-shirts or whatever, and we're going to split the 100 bucks. So at least each guy gets 20 bucks. Now at least you got gas money, right? It didn't cost you any money to get to the show. If we just did that, we'd have more bands last in this town. And I think you guys have that built-in advantage in the comedy scene in the comedy industry really and i think that started in like new york and la where they were like no we gotta pay these guys something even if it's only 15 bucks because you're going up and doing 15 minutes at the comedy store or whatever the fuck you're still getting paid something yeah you're still getting paid something and if you break that down yeah it's only 15 bucks but that's literally a dollar a minute Absolutely. I know a lot of people that don't make 60 bucks an hour. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I I think the mentality nowadays is I got to get paid, I got to get paid, I got to get paid. But the people that really fucking hammer it out and that actually do well are the people that have, they they invest in themselves. Some of my clients, uh, in fact, actually, let me rephrase that. Everybody that I work for when it comes to comedians, the people that I make content for, I guarantee that they lose money every month. Guaranteed. They make it up elsewhere. They make it up with shows. But when it comes to like content, um, I got one client who I'm on retainer with that I know for a fact does not make anywhere near what he pays me every single month. Cause so I take without care- dropping names, what type of content are we talking about? TikTok, Instagram content, yeah, stuff lot, like that. A lot of TikTok, a lot of Instagram, uh, YouTube, definitely YouTube, but there are some people like it pays to have me on like, um, you know, uh, the Corolla podcast on YouTube makes a buckload of money. So how does very you, well. So that's a great segue. So how did you get out of, Rate. Well, you already said you just put in your notice and you said to do comedy. So how do you go from being a radio producer on two very large radio stations between KS95 and 93X? Those are not small gigs. And yeah. you did the morning show it, on KS95, which is it, a very large morning show. Yeah, huge morning show. And then, yeah, 93X, I was the fucking afternoon guy. Like, that's a fucking huge that's a job. Deal. That's a big... I mean, Remy Maxwell was there for like fucking 10 years. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's a big job. Um and then just one day just went, fuck it. And then I, how do you go from that to editing and being involved with, is it just the normal, obvious, organic maturation of being a comedian and having production skills in the background? Like, how does that, how do you get into that style of it's, things? Like, it's all networking. Okay. A million percent. A million percent. Uh, a lot of it is being prepared and having those skills already. Uh, I got lucky because what happened was Adam Ray was uh, comedian Adam Ray, who is right now on Pam and Tommy. He's on Young Rock on NBC, uh, travels the fucking country. He's blowing up my phone right now because he wants some fucking videos done later. I can feel it my pocket vibrating. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Adam uh, came to town to Acme, and I just shot him a line and said, hey, man, I'm a fan. I think you're funny. Uh, I know you do a lot of shit if you're traveling and you don't have any... Um, if you don't have anybody who's got equipment like video equipment or audio equipment, please let me know. I'd be more than happy to help you out. And he texted me back 10 minutes later and said, Hey dude, um, I will fucking, can you come down to Acme tonight and record my shows? So I went, so I went down there all weekend. I recorded all five of his sets. I edited them. I sent them to him. And the next week he texted me and was like, Hey dude, can you kind of come on and just like help me out with some shit? And I did that for almost two years exclusively just for Adam. And then he got me a gig working with uh, this girl named Jessie Mae Peluso. 
And then that led to me working for Jonathan Kite, who I'm now, now traveling with, uh, Two Broke Girls. Uh, we just did Kansas City. We're going to be in Batavia, Illinois, outside of Chicago at the Comedy Vault coming up. Um, I started working for him. That led to me working for Dana Carvey. Um, when that's he, huge, that was a big one. Those are the like because I'm fans of almost everybody. I've recognized and I'm fans of almost all the names you've mentioned, including Adam Ray. A lot of people don't know who Adam Ray is. They should. If you guys don't know who Adam Ray is, R E Y. Yeah, um, Adam Ray R E Y. Um, but Corolla and Carvey are the big names. Absolutely. Those got to fuck with you a little bit when you first make those connections, when you first start working with those guys. There's got to be a moment where you're like going, well, it, this is how my mind would be working. I'd have two things going through my head. I don't deserve to be here and don't fuck this up. Or I don't deserve to be here and it's only a matter of time before I fuck this up. Because yeah, that's how yeah, my yeah, brain yeah. works. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like, there's, there's a little bit of that sometimes. Here's the crazy part. Uh, when I got let go from 93X was whatever it was, uh, 12 years ago, something like that. Um, I was broke and I started riding my bike everywhere. I was one of those losers, you know, like when you see guys on bikes nowadays and they got I the spandex. I don't think they're losers. They're just incredibly annoying because yeah. they don't fucking respect the rules of the road. Well, he, well here's the thing. <laughs> they when, think they own yeah, that motherfucker. When, when you see a guy in spandex, you're like, all right, that guy's probably a lawyer or something. When you see a dude in fucking jeans and like, a, yeah, that guy's, yeah, I got a DWI for sure. Um, so, yeah, right. so, but I was broke. I had no money. So I started riding my bike everywhere and I would ride my bike to, at the time, it was B96 and I was, I took a part-time job there. My uncle started their radio Oh, station. no shit. Yeah. I swear to God, my my uncle teamed up with Prince and the Pole Ads yeah, and started yeah. that radio station. Yeah, Sam so, Cook. So you might actually know. Him. I start. Um, I start going down to uh, B ninety six. I'm riding my bike there, and I'm listening to the Adam Carolla show. It had, it had just left uh, terrestrial radio. It was right after uh, the takeover from Stern. I think he did about two years. And I started listening to the podcast every single day. Oh, that's right. Because when Stern went to Sirius or whatever the fuck it was. Yep. Corolla took over for they him. They put Corolla in that slot yep. across the nation. Yep. And I had been a fan since, uh, you know, Love, Love Line, Line days. Yeah. I mean, I used to sit in my car and just listen to Love Line at fucking two in the morning, you know? And Dude, it's like how you and I entire generation learned about sex absolutely. and sexual and transmitted yeah. diseases. It was, like, it, was, dude. it was Love Line and finding moldy hustlers in the woods. Dude, that's all we had. real. Absolutely. And, dude, Dr. Drew saved our lives and then... And Adam Carolla made us laugh about our awkward sexual experiences yes. in high school. And those two are inc incredibly important to our generation. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So for whatever reason, I don't know why or how, I always knew I was going to work for Adam Carolla. Wow. I don't know. I don't know why. That's just, cool as fuck. When people would ask, like, what's the plan? I'm like, I don't know. I just eventually will one day would just work for Adam Carolla. And they're like, oh, you're going to move to like California and like get into podcasting or something? I'm like, no, no, no. I will work for Adam Carolla, like nobody else. I, I, I can't explain it. I, I wish I had like the, I wish I could tell people that, I don't think people believe me when I say, I knew, I knew I was going to work. My daughter and I took a road trip through California and I stopped off at Carolla One Studios and just took a tour of it. Adam wasn't there. This guy named Kalen, who was like a producer there, took me on a tour, me and my daughter. And when I left there, I was like, okay, now I know what everything looks like. I bet in the next five to 10 years, I will be working for Adam Carolla. So Carolla comes to town one night. And in fact, the first time him and I ever met was at, he did a show at, it was called Mill City Nights. I think it was yeah, called. Yeah. I remember that music venue. So he does a show there. And the first time I meet him, his son had fallen off his bike and was in the hospital for like two days before Adam came and did this show. Damn. And my, I, my daughter was sick and in uh children's hospital, children's hospital and Gillette a few different times. 
And when I, I met Adam for the first time, I said, hey, by the way, best of luck with Sonny. I heard on the podcast that he got hurt. And he went, huh? I'll fucking be fine. <laughs> and that's all he said. And we took our picture and I moved on. That was it. That was the first time him and I met. Uh, so I'm working for Adam Ray. Nah, he'll be and, fine. Yeah. And Adam Ray is a, a, a regular on the Corolla show. Mm -hmm. So Corolla comes to uh, Minneapolis and he's doing Acme for two nights. So I bought tickets for the show. I went down there, and right before I had, I had gone, Adam Ray had texted me, and he said, hey, can you get this thing done? I said, I can't right now because I'm actually on my way to go see Corolla. And he goes, oh, shit. Well, while you're down there, if you see him or Chris Loxamana, who's the producer, tell those guys I say, what up? I'm waiting to go into the venue, and Chris Loxamana is standing at the merch table, and I'm just, I, I hadn't said anything to him, and I'm just kind of waiting in line to go in. And then he kind of gets a break in his conversation, and I, I lean over. I go, hey, Chris, right? And he goes, yeah. I say, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Rudy. I said, oh, by the way, Adam Race. And we, we talked for about 10 minutes. I said, by the way, Adam Ray says hi. And he goes, oh, no shit. You know Adam Ray. How do you know him? I said, oh, I, I do his uh, Instagram content. You know, I, I produce about last night, and I make all of his videos and stuff. And no shit, Chris fucking stops That's and goes. That's what podcast is called, About Last Night. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, um, he goes um, wait a minute. You... You do all this stuff for Adam? I was like, yeah. He's like, you do all like Adam's videos and like Instagram and you, you make all that stuff. I was like, yeah. And he goes, holy fuck, dude. We are looking to have somebody take over our YouTube channel. And before we got on the plane, somebody said, somebody get, when we get back, somebody call Adam Ray and see who his guy is. And maybe we can get him on board to become the new. That's amazing. And I was like, are you shitting me? He's like, I swear to God, dude. He's like, I swear to God. We just had this conversation. He goes. So uh, it's kismet. I mean, fucking how insane, man. Like, I, I get goosebumps thinking of that story, you know? And I'm That's like, so wow. I said, uh, I said, well, here's the deal. Uh, he goes, can you talk after the show? Absolutely. So I stuck around. And in fact, actually, I was waiting for those. And I didn't feel, I kind of felt like a hangers on. Because yeah. like, he's got a bunch of people. And I'm like, I should just fucking leave, man. So I literally got out of Acme. I got in my car. And I got three blocks down the street. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. Turn the fuck around. You have waited almost a decade for this opportunity. Are you really just going to fucking drive home? Turn the fuck around, dude. I turn my ass around. I park my car. I start walking back to Acme. Adam Carolla and Mike August walk out of the upper steps. of. They walk to the, the sidewalk. They turn and start walking at me. Right behind them is Chris Loxamana. I let Adam and Mike pass me because I don't know them yet. And I'm like, hey, guys. And they're like, hi. Chris sees me and goes, oh, shit, dude. I was looking for you. I was like, yeah, I, I was great. Yeah, man. I didn't want to bother you guys. He's like, no, no, no. Um, he goes, uh, uh, let's meet tomorrow, like four o'clock. I was like, okay, cool. Sounds good. So I go to uh, the next day. I'm at Mall of America with my daughter and my niece and some family members. We just took the kids to Nickelodeon, let them ride rides and shit. The next day I get a phone call. It's a Los Angeles number. I pick it up and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, hello. Woman goes, uh, Hi, is this Rudy? I said, yeah. She goes, uh, hey, uh, my name is, uh, I, don't, I don't know if she needs me to say her name, but uh, she goes, uh, I'm, uh, I'm a part of uh, Megan Trainer's PR team. And nice. We, and we were wondering, uh, we heard about you through somebody. Can you possibly be the new editor of her podcast that she's coming out with with her brother called Working On It? And I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah, I, 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 yeah. And I had no idea this phone call was coming. 
I'm on the phone with Megan Trainer's people. Another Los Angeles number pops up, and I'm like, "What in the fuck is going on here?" I was like, uh, "I was like, hang on one second. I get on the other phone. This other woman goes, "Hey, my name is Crystal. I work with Adam Carolla. I'm actually in town. Can you meet me at Acme in a couple hours?" And I'm like, "Sure, I can do that." I fucking jump off the phone with her. I get back on the phone with Megan Trainer's people. Megan Trainer's people go, "Dude, we're gonna send you some shit. Let's knock it out. You can be the new audio editor if this week goes well." I was like, "Fucking sweet." I get off that phone. I run inside. I'm telling my sister. I'm like, you're not going to fucking believe what just happened. Like, I just literally got on the phone with Adam Carolla's people and Megan Trainer's people. And my sister's like, what the fuck is this Megan Trainer thing? I'm like, I don't know where this came from. Like, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, and, once the snowball starts rolling, it's rolling. Yes. And I was literally no shit. I, at that time, I had just left radio and it was like, maybe about six weeks after I left radio that this happened. I had no jobs. I had no jobs. None. The only thing I was doing was I was still working for Adam Car uh, Adam Ray doing some like video work. But other than that, I had nothing lined up. I had no other sources of income. That was it. Um, so uh, I go down to Acme that night and I emailed or I text this crystal woman and I'm like, hey, um, you know, I I'm here. Can we meet? She's yeah, come back to the green room. I walk in. I don't know if you know who comedian Crystal Marie is. No, I don't think so. Okay, if you look her up, you you'll probably know her because she's been on like, I mean, it is an extremely it, common name. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's yeah. one, and I'm terrible with names. So I, yeah, I'll probably she's she's been on like she's been a correspondent for everything. ESPN, Good Morning America, fucking gotcha. you name E Entertainment, everything. Uh, I walk in and she's like, and then I see her and I'm like, oh shit, I know you. Like I, I just started following you on Instagram like two months ago. We have this nice conversation. She goes, how about you uh, edit uh, tonight's show and then maybe a couple of shows next week and we'll see how it all goes and we'll see if that works out. And I was like, absolutely. Corolla walks into the green room. We have a really nice conversation. Uh, we go our separate ways. The next That night, they email me all the videos. By the time everybody wakes up the next morning, I already got like all the videos fucking formatted and done with graphics. And I mean, fuck, I stayed up for like four hours making this shit and uh, sent it all off and... Uh, the next week they called and they were like, hey man, let's make this a fucking permanent thing. That's super cool. Dude. I mean, what are the fucking chances? I, and I, I, I swear to God when I tell people, I fucking knew. I didn't know how, but I just knew. That's like every, like Jimmy Kimmel. Talk about, Jimmy Kimmel knew he was going to have a fucking talk show one night or one day. He just knew. Don't know how, just knew. I don't know how this shit works. Other than if you just fucking think about it, and I'm not a big fan of the secret. Right, like manifesting yeah. shit, the vision board. Yeah, because what it does is it basically like discredits all the fucking hard work that other people do. Right. You know, they go, oh, no, you, you manifested. No, 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 that guy fucking lived in rat trap shithole apartments for 10 right. years to make his way up the ladder. And somebody else invested money. Somebody else yes. invested time. Somebody else saw potential, saw yes. talent, and they decided to take a chance. They put their career on the line. You don't <laughs> manifest somebody else putting their career on them. Because honestly, that is how a lot of this works, too. Like, there will be a new agent, a new booker at a new agency. You know, there's any... They're like, fuck it, I'm going to take a chance because I need to make a name for myself. And Absolutely. If they strike gold, they're the new big big booking agent and whatever. But if they fucking swing and they miss and they strike out, they may not get another shot again. Yeah. It really can end somebody's career because they put their, their fucking, their eggs in the wrong basket. Absolutely. I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it personally. Absolutely. Happen. Yep. Absolutely. So fucking good for, for you though, man. So That's fucking whatever, awesome. Yeah. For whatever reason, man, like, uh, sometimes, you know, Lou Holtz said he was born with a horseshoe up his ass and I feel like I was born with Lou Holtz up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Well, so, what, what gigs you got coming up so people can come check you out? Uh, 
Uh, so let's and we see. do have a national audience, so you don't just have to advertise the fucking uh, the Minnesota dates. You can advertise all of them. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks, man. Uh, I will be, let's see. So coming up next week, I'm going to be in Minnesota, Burnsville. I'll be at uh, Ineffable Brewing on Wednesday night. Uh, great place. Killer lineup. Uh, coming up, um, I'm going to be in Indiana the first weekend of August at Gutty's Comedy Club, Indianapolis. Uh, then after that, I come back to Minnesota and I open up for Victoria Jackson from Saturday Night Live. Uh, that's at the Gutties here in Minnesota. Going to be in Batavia, Illinois, coming up um, the third week of September with Jonathan Kite. And then I believe, I, I think there's another LA and an Austin date in there somewhere, but I'm spacing on it because I never have that shit in front of me, but it's got to be somewhere in there. So. And people can go to your website to find more information for all this stuff? Yeah, and what's your website called? Yeah, rudypovich.com. Uh, on Instagram, Facebook, it's just at Rudy underscore Povich. Yeah, man. Beautiful. P-A-V-I-C-H. It gets fucking confused with, you fucking Maury Povich? Not Maury Povich, you fucking assholes. <laughs> Rudy Povich. Hey, you're the fucking governor? That's Rudy Perpich, you fucking dickheads. <laughs> it's fucking Rudy Povich. <laughs> <laughs> These are deep cuts that very it? few I know, people right? actually get. I, I, I got them. I yeah, got yeah. them. Yep. Oh, that's fucking hilarious. So, yeah. Um, do you know any local comedians that you feel are crushing it and don't get a lot of attention? There's a couple for me that have stood out. A couple of them have been on the podcast. A couple of them haven't. Um, one of them is uh, Randy Uncarlo. Have you ever done sets with Randy? Love Randy. Love Randy. One of the most soft-spoken and underrated comics in town. It's fucking hilarious. I love that guy. I love him so much. I love his delivery. I love his... He's just so... I can't explain. You just have to see him. Yeah, that's you just what have I've to see said. Yep. He's, he's kind of like... Um, do you know Comrade? Mm-mm. Oh, dude, you gotta go see Comrade. Fucking Comrade Trip. Dude. So, so great. So soft-spoken. Very, you know, like, unassuming. And just a killer. Really? So good. Yes. There's this, yeah, there's this dude who I fucking, I don't remember his real name and I feel terrible for it, but I seen him and he was weird and he was so awkward and made me smile from ear to ear. So when I'm saying awkward, I don't mean awkward in like a creepy way. I mean awkward in like, he wasn't like this smooth swap yeah. dude, but. Did he have on a cardigan? No, but he had on this weird black button-up t-shirt with this really short red tie, almost like a clown's tie. Uh And I was like... Was he black with a big head? No, he he looked super Jewish. I'm pretty sure he was Jewish. That's not Comrade. No, 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 no. But uh, I remember asking him, I'm like, dude, does anybody ever tell you you look like you're Jeff Goldblum's son? And he just found it like so bizarre. He couldn't stop talking about it all night. A couple oh. weeks later, found me on social, hit me up. He's like, dude, I want to come on your podcast. I'm like, did I meet you at a comedy club? He's like, yeah, this is Jeff Goldblum's son. And it just all suddenly came back. But it was like him. There's uh, Randy who's been on the podcast a few times. I always describe Randy as he's almost got like a like a Mitch Hedberg energy. Yeah. It's so chill and low key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it like, I don't know, it just works for him, man. Um. There's also the dude, I think his name's Corey Adam or Corey, Corey Adam? Adams. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he hosted the Thursday night at Sisyphus yeah. for a while. Yep. Yep. He was a killer the few times I've seen him. Absolutely phenomenal. I've known that dude forever. Really? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm trying to get him on the podcast, but he's, he's like most comedians, just super flaky. 
Like he'll like, yeah, I'm I'm interested, and then I'm like, cool, I'll send you some dates. I send him dates, and then I never hear from him again. Six months later, I'm like, dude, come on the podcast. He's like, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, shoot him dates, never hear back from him again. It's the same cycle over Absolutely. and over and over yep. again. Mm-hmm. Uh, buddy of mine, John Wheeler, just started getting into comedy, and uh, he 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 has some bu- some bits that kill, but he's still super new. And I think John guy, no, John Wheeler, he's uh. I'll send you a link. Okay. It, he's hard to describe as a person. Um, very difficult because he's so so unique that as soon as you start describing him, it sounds like you're describing somebody else. Very difficult person to try to describe. But um, I think his biggest struggle is he has a lot of celebrity from being a very successful musician to where I feel like people laugh at jokes of his that aren't fully fleshed out. So he's kind of do it's kind of that thing we were talking about earlier where like if you're in front of too friendly of a room and then you go to another room and you're like, well, these guys laughed at that. How come you guys aren't laughing at it? It's like because the joke isn't ready. Like yeah. Those people were just really willing to laugh at your shit. Yeah. I remember when I wanted to jump in and do an open mic. It's an open mic and I don't want to say the name of the venue because I'm not trying to talk shit or embarrass anybody. But this was a dumb this is a dumb way to think about things, right? They go, oh, well, this isn't really a normal open mic. This is more of a showcase for established comedians. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, bitch, I've been there like dozens of times. There's six people in the room and they're all other comics that are going up that night. Don't give me that bullshit. This is a fucking open mic, you know? And Mm -hmm. I really don't want to say the day of the week it is because then I'll give it away. But it's like, no, this is a fucking open mic, dude. And then he kind of relents and he's like, okay, well, can you bring like 10 or 20 people? And I'm like, that's not really what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to like get up in front of a room full of people that don't know me so I can work out bad material. Sure. And he's like, well, that's not really how it works. It's like, you're going to have a much better time if you bring people that are going to be more willing to laugh in the beginning. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, no, dude, like I don't even know fucking comedy and I know what you're saying is wrong. Mm -hmm. Do you think I'm insane for having this opinion? Uh, No. If anybody asks me, how do I get into comedy? Uh, what's the biggest piece of advice I can give? I say, uh, don't tell anybody you're doing it for three years. I agree. Yeah, don't tell anybody. Don't say a fucking word about it. If anything, tell them you have a crippling gambling, gambling problem <laughs> and you've been hanging out in CD strip joints. Don't fucking tell anybody you're doing comedy. Don't. Not for, don't fucking do it. Don't do it. Not one bit. I wouldn't fucking tell anybody I was doing it. If I could go back and redo it, I wouldn't tell anybody. I would wait five years until I got good. And then I would tell people, by the way, I've been doing this thing. I wouldn't post shit about it. I would just do it until I felt comfortable and I had a good set. And then I would bring too many people. You got people doing the fucking funniest, these funniest people contests. They've never been on stage. They're bringing 30 people out with them and they still eat shit. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, fuck, of course, man. Like, don't. Ah, I hate that mentality, man. Me too. Me too. And I I just, I think it's the exact opposite way you should be trying to do things in the beginning. And this is coming from somebody who knows nothing about the industry other than what I've heard other comics say and what I've observed from being a fan. Um, But yeah, getting in and and getting started, I think is, is, is probably the biggest thing that a lot of people are giving bad advice on right now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think sometimes people like, say you know oh those stand-up classes are bullshit and they're a waste of money fuck that go take a class seriously you'll learn something it it gets you up on stage you listen you're not gonna fucking figure out your voice or your angle or what you're supposed to do for the first fucking three years anyways it might even be longer fuck man so just go take a class sit down go take a go go buy a book go fucking take go to uh go to um 
Second City Online. Great online classes. Do all that shit. Do everything they tell you not to do. Fuck, man. There's a reason why that stuff exists. You know? Yeah. Are you going to be famous because you fucking took a class? No. no. <laughs> but are you going to be able to, like, get a decent foundation and you're going to be working with other people that are just as green as you? Absolutely, and sure. that's where the confidence starts to build. It just takes a long time. That's no, I, th I think that's perfect, and we yeah. should probably wrap it up here. I would love to go longer with you, but I'm sure you can feel it too. It's a hundred degrees outside. Ah, it's fucking brutal. I know. And I've been even, sweating everywhere, and <laughs> even in my fucking ice cold basement down here, I can feel it. Fucking. It's starting to get warm, yeah. and I don't think I'm going to be able to go much longer. If you guys got any questions, throw them in chat now. We'll we'll fucking answer a couple questions real quick, and then we're going to wrap this up. In the meantime, if and when people are putting their questions in, plug your plug your uh, your website and your dates one more time real quick. Yeah, man, RudyPovich.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it might be, uh, at Rudy underscore Povich. Uh, I also got a documentary called Dear Walt that's on DearWaltMovie.com. It's about my dad. And then you can also find Raising a Daughter, which is that film I talked about earlier that won the Louis Anderson Best Of. Yeah, we didn't yeah. even get into you making movies. Yeah, man. That was the yeah, other yeah, thing. Yeah. I, there's so much I wanted to talk yeah, to you about today. Yeah. And I told you, I said, we're not even going to scratch the no, surface. Right. There's, yeah, we, yeah. We've never once ran out of shit to talk about, even on a four or five hour podcast. It's just like... At some point, we got to wrap this up. So let's just choose at this arbitrary yeah. moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah. I appreciate you, Rudy. You've been dude. a blast, man. This is this has been awesome. I'd love to have you on again down the road, dude. Every, maybe every three to six months or something, have you come down, hang out, bring some other comedians with you if you want. Absolutely, man. Because yeah, yeah. this is not a music podcast. It's yeah. not a goddamn yeah, music yeah, yeah. podcast. Yeah. And I'm sick of talking to the same fucking white metalheads. I'm just kidding. It's actually just... a good name for a podcast. Is it another fucking music podcast? <laughs> not a music uh, The Jared Singer, not a music podcast. That's what I should rebrand it you guys know Killer. what to do uh i don't see any questions popping in so fucking you guys oh, know man. the deal like subscribe share it's the internet i don't need to tell you how to do your jobs but it does matter like subscribe share uh check out his podcast a long walk to cleveland it's every day on facebook and instagram uh, you guys can follow him and check that shit out and i always say uh you'll find it wherever you upload your podcast that's yeah yep. exactly because everybody <laughs> does their own fucking podcast now yeah i love it man all right well thank you buddy you thank you guys fucking we're out of